Welcome to Arts Career Evolutions by Out of the Arts. Your hosts are Beth and Amy. We will help you bridge the gap between an arts career and a career outside the arts industry. We are so glad that you've joined us. Welcome to another week. If this is your first week, welcome for the first time. We are so glad that you're joining us. And if you've been with us before, we're glad that you're back. We really love meeting you here and talking through ways to find your next job, industry, and how to work through the process of bridging the gap. It's super cliche, but the older I get, the more I appreciate the journey and not the destination. When you get to the destination, then you have to find a new one, right? Or if it's like Disney, you're exhausted after a few days and ready to go home. This week is all about engaging in the arts when it's not your paying job and how to stay satisfied. There are many ways to stay engaged, and we are going to talk through these ways and details, but also share them on our Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok accounts. So feel free to check us out there if you don't have the time to take notes. Here are some organizations and ways to do this. So first and foremost, your local community theater. The beauty is you can volunteer to be behind the scenes, audition to be in a show. Some community theaters even have budgets for paid positions, but it can be limited and very much based on your region and the company. Most community theaters are running three to ten productions a year, and that's a lot of hands on deck. They might also have a script reading group who meets to go through scripts or a special events team or a board who solely focuses on fundraisers and events. There's just so many options to be involved with a community theater. I worked at Theater Workshop of Owensboro, which is a community theater, and I was one of three paid positions. I was one of two full-time paid positions, and honestly, the pay was not what it you know, what most people live on, to be quite honest. But (laughs) we did have paid positions for the scenic builder who would design it and then build it. And we had $1,000 for him or we had some money for the directors. Now I know that a lot of directors paid for random things out of pocket because they were good humans and doing it for fun. But there are ways and there are times where That community theater did have a budget, and honestly, they're not in a place where there's a ton of revenue. But we did have a board, and the board's a great example that Amy said earlier. The board did a lot of fundraising, and a lot of them were in shows or directing or doing different stuff. So they were definitely very involved in getting out those creative juices. Yeah, I mean, I jumped into community theater as a performer first, but then sort of wound my way through. I joined a board at one point and was working in fundraising. I was on a different board for a different community theater and helped them with a capital campaign and run their box office. And then I've also done stuff like music directing with community theaters. Community theaters are how I got most of my experience music directing. And most of those have been paid positions and not necessarily the path that I thought I would take originally professionally, but hey, I enjoy it and it's a new fun experience for me and, you know, why not? 
community theater offers a great experience to be able to just be part of a community, do something for the community, and still be doing what you love and enjoy in a low-pressure venue. Yeah. Our second way to stay engaged is through a community band because maybe you are a musician first and a stage actor second. Maybe you love being part of community theaters when they're doing a musical, but if they're doing a straight play, you don't really have a ton to do with them. So a community band is a great way to stay involved and to stay engaged. Some smaller colleges and large cities have community bands who get together and do a few concerts during the year. These might be groups who are just community members, and maybe it's a group made of community members and college students who are still learning. The college I was at, they had community members in our band, and actually we used community members in our theater shows too thinking about it and they were also great to have so I guess community bands and community schools will give you great options Amy have you done anything with a community band do you have them in New York I assume you have them I just (laughs) yes (laughs) we do I've done stuff with community bands in the past because I started out originally as I've always considered myself a musician first, and I played instruments all through middle school and high school and part of college, and then just sort of stopped because I started focusing on the singing and the performing. But every once in a while, I will jump into a community band to just remind myself that I'm a musician and that I can still play an instrument. I'll like whip out a horn or a clarinet or whatever I feel like at the time whatever they're looking for. Horn was my quote-unquote main instrument growing up, but I picked up trombone in high school for jazz band. Mm. And I started out on clarinet first. That was actually my first instrument. And then by the time I got to the end of fifth grade, I had played my way all through the lesson book, and I decided it was boring because too many people played clarinet, and I wanted to do something different. So I switched to French horn. (laughs) I love it. Because I wanted to be the only one. (laughs) When was the last time you played your French horn? I did pull it out for community band in 2016. Wow. Well, let's talk about our third option for people who are singers first and I guess musicians, but with their voice and performers second. Once upon a time, before I even get into community chorus, we were at camp. Oh, no. And someone someone wrote a program for one of the student showcases, camper showcases we had. And they listed musicians and singers. And what he meant was instrumentalists and singers. But you better believe I lost it and made them redo the entire program. (laughs) Singers are musicians too. It's just an internal instrument. Yes. Okay, but anyway. I love community choruses. I sing with community choruses from time to time. And 
Sometimes, I'll admit, it can be a little bit painstaking because I come from the professional classical music world where you learn your music in the practice room by yourself and show up to rehearse as a group. In the case of a community chorus, you're learning your music in rehearsals, and that took me some time to get used to. But the people that are there love being there so much. And it tends to be a lot of older people in the community who are trying to stay active and keep their passions active. And I just love that about it. And what has been cool about my community chorus experience is it's in community choruses that I've had the opportunity to do some really great classic works that I love having under my belt. And perform and work with other wonderful musicians who are accompanying or who are conducting. And then from some of these community chorus gigs, I've gotten other professional soloist gigs because I've worked with these pianists or these conductors who recognize me as a high-level professional musician and then hire me to do other things. So from doing community chorus, I've actually gotten some paying gigs and that is double awesome. So I had a similar hard time with the community theater aspect where like I was used to people who you come in the room and hopefully you are off book or mostly off book. You are in a position to start working and involved and being involved and engaging, not necessarily reading from the script. And in community theater, there's a lot of time where people are reading from their script before mm-hmm. they get off book. The different process yes, was definitely something that took time getting used to. I can attest to that. The very first show I did in community theater once I was out of college, was a production of Pirates of Penzance. And we were costumed in basically anything they could find that would fit each of us. And so I'm wearing this beautiful teal dress with lace and everything that looked like it was straight out of 1840s Paris. And then some of the sisters are wearing Regency era things. And then I'm wearing this nightgown that's very clearly like early 20th century. And it was a, it was this whole mishmash. And part of me was like, oh, this is so frustrating. I remember once in rehearsals just losing my mind because there's a difficult part in the music where the sisters are singing in two how beautifully blue the skies are, da 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 They're singing this rambling thing. And the two lead romantic, the two romantic leads come in and they're singing their love duet, but it's in three. So you have this hemiola thing, two against three, and you have to have the downbeats line up. But da 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 right? <laughs> and the music director who was very sweet wasn't getting it and so we weren't lining up and the music was a disaster 
So, I mean, sometimes these things happen. It can be really frustrating. But eventually we did get it because she hired really good musicians in the pit who just took it and went with it and knew what they were doing. So it, it all came together and it was fine. It was a frustrating experience, but, you know, people, there are people there who do know what they're doing and are really, really great. And I guess that's kind of the point that we want to get across with this is letting you know that it is not the same. It's, it's not, but you do find people who are amazing at what they're doing. Most of the people are wonderful to work with and you just need to go in not expecting it to be the same because you're going to save yourself some frustration. They're there for the funsies. And if that's funsies for them, it's our job to take a step back and say, is this hurting anything? No. All right. And, and work through that on our own. Yep. Our next group to be involved with is a local improv group. I have a friend, Sam, who has done tons of theater. I think he has his degree in business. He, I've known him since I was like 15 years old and he has been in improv groups forever, forever. He was in stage monkeys at Mississippi. Um, I, I think he went to Southern Miss and he was in the stage monkeys group. I mean, one of his best men from the wedding came from that improv group. So yeah, he has a business degree, but Nah, you know, he's done a lot of other fun things. And the improv comedy troops are a great way to be involved without maybe having to make it your entire life. And honestly, like everywhere I go, whenever I travel, I look for these groups. Josh, my husband, for y'all that don't know us in real life, was in Chicago for work for two weeks for a class, I guess. And I told him, I said, oh, there's an improv group because, you know, that's one of the things that I look for. And it wasn't Second City, but it was still great. And we went, we had a good night. You know, you go, you have a drink, you have some snacks. It's usually a interesting place, you know. Sometimes it's in the basement of a church. I think I made Carly go to one in the basement of a church. Yep. I don't I don't even know what state we were in, to be quite honest. Yep, I've been to those, and they're still fun. They're so fun. So fun. Yeah, we have a really great improv troupe in the Albany area called Mop and Bucket Co. They are so much fun, and they also do a lot for the community, too. They do a lot of really cool things, and they've gotten to the point now where they actually have their own house, which is great, too. Yeah. Yeah. So they have their own space. They do amazing things uh, and these these really great improv shows. And then they do workshops and classes and stuff like that. So you, if you're afraid of improv, like I still kind of am, sometimes I'll go to their improv classes. And they're super welcoming. And it's just a lot of fun. And it helps me let go. And I really enjoy it. And then through those... Because I am a vocalist and a voice teacher, they've actually brought me in to do workshops with their members on vocal health and elocution and 
all of these types of things. So they're making sure that they're not shouting all the time and hurting their voice and that they're understood and clear. And that's been a great experience too. I never thought that was anything I would ever do. I think I need to make Josh come with me to some of those classes. I was looking some up in Nashville where I'm currently living and I think that he would do great with it. Hmm. We'll see what happens. But you were just talking about it. And I didn't even think about it till you were mentioning it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It can be so fun. Even if you have no intention of becoming an improv artist or even being on stage, just being in an improv workshop can be super helpful to get you out of your head and to help you have fun and just be focusing on the communication And that is an awesome way to build communication and team building and collaboration skills as well and keep them up to date and keep them sharp. Lots of companies host improv troops with their staff to help Mm -hmm. build relationships, communication, engagement, stuff like that. It's a fairly popular thing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. That's a really great way to stay involved and to also kind of keep your mind open for other possibilities. The last option we have is an acapella group, which are all over the place now. I think it's so funny because even just 15 years ago, acapella groups were just there And then all of a sudden, they exploded, and now they're everywhere. And I love me some acapella. I love it, but I feel like it's really hard for people to do if they're not necessarily professionally trained. And maybe there are just a lot of professionally trained folks who need extra arts in their life and aren't using it every day. Maybe that's just led one to another. But I just think it's really hard. So I'm really surprised that it's blown up. I think acapella has potential to be hard for sure. But I also think that there are options for it to be really welcoming and fun. And if you have a strong voice and a good work ethic, you can learn your part by listening. You don't necessarily have to be able to read music. It certainly helps, and I think that's the preference most of the time. But just like in community theater or community chorus, not everyone reads music or not everyone reads music at a super high level. So again, it's just about the collaboration and working together and understanding that You're going to spend time in rehearsal learning music, but you're working together and it's a, it can be a really great bonding experience. Speaking of acapella groups, we're going to let Christine talk about her journey and how she found herself in a job at a travel agency after being in a long-term box office position. She pulled out the things she loved about the performing arts like working with people and organizing events. And then she transitioned those skills to her job in the travel agency. This is something we encourage everyone to do when they work through the next steps guide, and we'll have a link to that below. What's really important is that she realized 
she wasn't participating in theater like she loves in her box office job. So she stepped out to find a job in another industry that then gave her back the time to do community theater and to do an acapella group and to help her fall in love with theater again. So today we have with us Christine Bonaventura. She and I have known each other for a long time. I don't need to say how many years because (laughs) that's excessive. But we live together in undergrad. We've known each other for a long time. And today she's joining us to talk about leaving the arts industry, but still being involved and keeping that passion. How's it going? It's going pretty good, guys. (laughs) Good. To get us started and to get the ball rolling, when you decided or you came to terms with getting jobs outside of the arts industry, was that a quick decision for you? Or was that something that took some time and took some effort? A little bit of both. My situation was I was in a job that I did not enjoy in the theater industry. I was working in box office, something that (laughs) during college I swore to myself I would never do. And seven years later, I still didn't like it. (laughs) But my thought process at the time was as long as I'm in a theater, I'll be happy. That was not the case. And unfortunately, my situation was a little bit of a toxic environment. So I said, okay, I've got to get out of here. But my thing was, I didn't know exactly what other theater job I wanted. So I started applying to literally anything and everything, education things, costuming things, whatever I could get my hands on, and just nothing worked out. But I knew I needed to get out of my current job situation. So I started applying to non-theater jobs just because why not? My thought process was just apply to anything and everything. And then if I'm offered something, I can sit down and really make the choice for myself, whether this is the direction I want it to go or not. So it was kind of slow, but also once I got the job offer, it was a pretty quick decision I had to make, (laughs) if that makes sense. Yeah. What was the next job? I got a job at a travel agency which I lucked out with because my two passions in life, I should say three, are theater, travel, and food. So (laughs) uh, I knew um, I had started my own, like out of my apartment baking company, like cake company. I love doing it, but it was a lot of anxiety. You know, I'm a little bit of a perfectionist. So being self-taught and everything, I was like, I don't think I want to do this professionally. But if someone really, really wants a cake, you know, I'll do it for them. So when I found travel as a job, because who knew travel agencies still existed in today, um, I said, yeah, this is something I could really do and still be happy about. I didn't realize that that was your first job after the box office. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I've only had two jobs since I left theater professionally. Um, unfortunately I did lose the travel industry job because of COVID and they specialized in Australia and the Australia fires happened right before COVID hit. So they were already struggling pretty hard. Um, so I, I will be very honest. It was pretty devastating when I lost it because I found a job that I absolutely loved. I mean, I loved my coworkers. I loved what I did and it only was till six o'clock, which meant I could still do theater after work which was key for me. I kind of told myself, if I'm going to leave theater on a professional level, 
I need to find something will, that will still allow me to be involved in some way or another. So if a job was going to be crazy nights and weekends, wasn't going to work for me. Did you still have engagements in the arts when you got that job? Or did you take that job, not do art stuff for a while, and then try to get back into it? I actually jumped right back into it. Um, because for me, so... I went to college for acting mostly, but I did want to uh, try every tech aspect, literally everything I could try. I wanted to give it a go, see if I liked it or not. And I missed performing a lot. And unfortunately, with box office, you know, when you're a manager, you have to be there during the shows, which means you're there during night rehearsals and weekend rehearsals. So I had to stop performing to do a job that I didn't really love. So my thing was, all right, the whole process or thought process of as long as I'm in a theater, I'm happy, wasn't working anymore. So I said, okay, let me try something different. Let me go outside of theater for my day job so that I can do the parts of theater I actually enjoy at nights and on the weekends. So um, I think I waited like two months into my new job at the travel agency to start auditioning again. Um, And a couple... Weeks later, I got into a show and was pretty pumped. I mean, I was exhausted because I hadn't done anything like that (laughs) in a long time, doing a nine to six and then driving in the total opposite direction to, you know, rehearsals till 1030 at night. But I was happier than I had been in years. So it worked out, you know, in the long run. I love the idea of pulling a theater industry apart because it's not always just about being in the theater or being inside a theater the box office and being on stage are two very very different things yes and sometimes I think people forget that like we we just think that like if I'm in the theater if I'm near it I'm gonna be okay but there's such different worlds that it's not always an easy switch. Right. No, I agree completely. I think if I was doing a job in the theater that I actually enjoyed, well, I don't think, I know, I wouldn't have left. Like I wouldn't have had to look somewhere else. Another caveat that I gave myself was, I mean, from a financial standpoint, I said, I can't make less than what I'm making now. I need to make at least like $5,000 more. Like I kind of put a price tag on it and said, if I'm going to leave theater, even if I hate the box office job, if I'm going to leave working in my field, then I have to make a little bit more moolah. Um, I ended up not. I ended up leaving and making the same amount. But once I was there a month in, they gave me a raise because I tried to negotiate my pay. They said that they couldn't. They were already giving me the highest amount they could because of my experience. And I was leaving a manager position to go into an entry-level position. But because I was going into a different field, they felt that they couldn't give me more, which is understandable, but also they didn't know what I was making. (laughs) So I was like, yeah, I mean, I'll just stick with that price range, I guess. Shucks. And I'm like, I am going to be having less responsibility for the same amount of pay for a job that I'm assuming I'll like because I do like the field. So we'll just have to play it out. And I also told myself, At the end of the day, I have a lot of theater contacts. I have worked with a lot of theaters in the Philadelphia area. If I hate this, I can always go back and apply to jobs in theater again. 
it might take a while. I might be stuck with this job I don't like, but I was already in a job I didn't like. So at that point, I just came to the decision of what the hell, why not? I have nothing to lose. And like I said, if I if I moved to like a totally different area and had no contacts in the theater world of any kind or any experience with people, maybe my decision would be a little different, but I knew I would be able to find interviews, be able to talk to people and be like, hey, do you know of anybody looking for anything? It'll be a slightly easier situation. That's a really interesting concept of like, Accepting a job for the same pay that is less responsibility because on on paper, you're like taking a step back, but really you're making your life easier. Yeah, that was the best part of that interview. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm just like going back in my brain and I'm sitting in there and I'm like, I don't want to tell them what I was making, but my responsibilities of that job were way beyond what I was getting paid because I was also in the situation and I'm sure a lot of theater people can understand this. Um, I was the box office manager, but I was also running the education and I was running the children's festival. And like my job just kept growing and growing and growing because of that stereotypical line in my job description, other jobs may up or other responsibilities may apply. So it just kept growing, but my paycheck wasn't. So I was exhausted doing jobs for three people, making the same pay. So when I walk into the travel agency job, and they were like, you know, we're just a little worried you'll get bored. And I'm like, no, <laughs> please give me a break. I am exhausted. And they're looking at me and they're like, well, you know, this is an entry level position. So you're getting entry level pay. And in my brain, I'm like, it's literally the same as what I was making working three jobs in one. Like they just, I feel like people, and I'm sure there are other jobs that apply to this, this thought process too, but there are so many non-theater people that don't realize what is expected of a theater professional. And it's like, this is why you should hire us outside of theater jobs, because we know what it's like to work our butts off and make nothing. Not that that's something that should be rewarded at all. Like that's not a good thing, but... If we're trying to leave, I can't tell you how many job interviews I went into where they're like, well, we know you're qualified because of all the things that transfer over in your experience and qualities, but we're going to hire the person right out of college that has no experience, but has a degree in this. And I'm like, cool. They're like, well, you only have theater on your resume. So you're going to like probably leave this job and go back to theater, right? I'm like, no, no, I'm not. Please, please just hire me in the travel agency job when they were talking about the pay and entry level and how they thought I'd be bored. They, they also mentioned, you know, we're worried that you'll go back to theater. And I said, look, at that point I had been on so many interviews. I had been applying for jobs for three years. I was exhausted and I knew this was the job I wanted. So I was just like, look, I'm going to be brutally honest with you. I love theater. That is never going to leave, but I don't love what I'm doing in theater. I need a nine to five job that's going to let me go to rehearsals and auditions and shows and not tell me I can't participate in things outside of my life because I have to be at work. You giving me this job would give me something that I'm passionate about and also allow me to do other things I'm passionate about. Plain and simple. I said, so really, there's no such thing as leaving this job and going back to theater. You're allowing me to do the part of theater that I want to do, the part that I miss. And they looked at me and they were like, oh, well, okay. (laughs) I was like, you don't understand. Please just give me this job. (laughs) 
that's the beauty of it, though, is the honesty. We talk about this, too, is you have to be honest in your interviews because there's there's a huge bias against the theater industry outside of the theater industry because they don't seem to understand a lot of what goes on in the industry. They don't realize how hard we work and for how little pay and how much we get by on just like passion and caffeine. And they also don't realize that to us, it's a job. It's a career choice. And sometimes when we're choosing to step away, it's on purpose. Or even if it's not on purpose, we're applying for this new job that we're sitting here interviewing for on purpose. And you're going to be amazingly dedicated and you're going to try your best no matter what. Yeah, absolutely. I think, and I, do, I, I, I hesitate to say this, every job is important. Every job is worthy. Every job is great, you know, as long as you're taking care of your employees. But I will say, I know a lot of, you know, actors and people that do tours and things that will just like work at Starbucks for, you know, a couple months and then leave because they have a better opportunity. Yes, I know that that exists. And sometimes that is what people need to do. But that's not just theater. You know, like a lot of people will apply for that Starbucks job and then turn around and find a full-time job that they want. So like, I feel like that's, that is placed on theater as an automatic assumption because it is such a passionate job. You know, people don't just do theater because they feel like it and they need a gig. No, you do it because you have the passion. You do it because it's, you can't not do it. So I understand where some employers are concerned that, you know, you're going to turn around and leave because this is not the same thing. I get it. But if I am looking you dead in the eye and saying, look, I didn't like my theater job. I missed performing. I missed doing the parts that I love. And you're giving me the opportunity to do those parts again and feed myself. (laughs) Please take my word for it. You know what I mean? And yeah, I agree. The honesty has to be there. I definitely was not that honest and upfront and just blunt in the beginning of my interview process. I kind of wish I was, but you know, I also believe that everything happens for a reason when it's supposed to. I truly think I was meant to have that job. So, you know, everything's a learning experience. You learn as you go. But yeah, if you're looking for a job outside of theater, just, just tell them the God's honest truth. You know, just say, look, I can't do this anymore. I need something that's stable. I need something that's better for my mental health, my physical health, whatever it is. And just say, your job will supply that for me. But also, here's what I learned in my theater jobs. And this is how I can help you. Because that's what employers want. They want to know why you want this job, how it's going to benefit you. Because if it benefits you, you're going to stick around. But they also want to know how you're going to help them. I really want to ask employers if they would ask somebody with an accounting degree that same question. Oh, are you going to leave if you can find a better offer? Yeah, because the answer, no matter what the job is, is yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. But I highly doubt, I can't say this for a fact because I don't know, but I highly doubt that that is commonly asked of a lot of other fields. Some, sure, but not a lot. And it's like, the answer is yes. And I will say, I personally feel like I am a more what's the word I want? Not dedicated, but um, 
loyal employee because of theater. I feel like once I work for someone, if you treat me well, and let's be honest, not all my jobs have treated me well. And I was still loyal to them because that's what you have to do to get the work done. Um, but I just feel like we, we hang around a bit more when we find something that works for us. We're going to stick it out. Whereas I feel a lot of other fields from friends that, you know, are outside of theater of mine and family members, they don't care. You know, it's like, we're moving on. I got another job offer. Bye. You know, or they try to negotiate their pay or something like that. And there you should, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing at all. That's what you should be doing. You have to look for new opportunities to rise and grow. But I feel like it's more expected and more common for non-theater people to do that type of thing than theater people. I feel like we're a little bit more loyal to our passions and what we love and we'll stick around because we need to. So I, I agree. Like, I don't think that that question is asked of a lot of people. And yet I feel like the result is actually normally the opposite, if that makes sense. Yeah. And that loyalty, that just gritty loyalty is something that isn't just inherent in theater people, but it's also hammered into us starting in high school. Most people start theater in middle school or high school, right? And you're going to school full time and then you're going to rehearsal after school for two, three, four hours almost every day. You're coming in on the weekends to build sets and all of your spare time and all of your free time is dedicated to this. Then you go to college and you're an undergrad, especially in a theater or fine arts program where you're in rehearsals that are required but not worth any credits. You're in classes and practica and stuff like that that, again, are required but are, you know, maybe five hours a week but you only get one credit for it or something like that. That's how these programs are built where you're doing 30 credit hours of work, but you're only getting 15 or 18 credits on your transcript. And so all of this is hammered in from such an early age that you have to go above and beyond and do work that is not expected of you and do work that you're not getting paid for, or you're not getting credit for. And that translates into careers as well. And so when we walk into an opportunity where they treat us well and we have benefits and we ha we're getting paid what we're actually worth and what the job is actually worth, it's kind of mind-blowing. And it's a little bit sad that that's the case, but, but that sometimes really is the case. And I wish more employers understood that. No, I agree with you completely. And you know, a resume can only hold so much information, which is kind of frustrating because I'm like, I could go on for pages of the things that I have done for the amount of jobs I have done since I was in high school. Um, and it is, it's truly difficult for a non-theater or art, artsy person to understand exactly everything you just said. I'll never forget, I applied for a job as a office manager for a dentist office do I have any interest in dentistry? No, but I can organize like nobody's business. I have led 
tons of coworkers, tons of employees, tons of theater people in all kinds of different experiences. I be, I feel personally because I'm involved in theater for so long that I understand myself more than most, which means I also understand and can connect to other people more than most. So when you put me in charge of a staff, I'm going to be able to connect to them and see what they need and what they want and make them happy more than most people. And all of this stuff stems from my experience in theater. And I just feel like nobody understands that unless you've done it yourself. So trying to explain that to someone who has never been in one of these kind of artistic fields before is a challenge. And they kind of look at you like you're crazy. And I was like, look, (laughs) dentist who wanted to hire me was his own practice. And it was between myself and one other person that had just graduated college, which nothing wrong with that. They were like, well, you don't really have any experience in a medical field. And I was like, break down to me exactly the day-to-day of this position. And he was like, okay, so you would oversee the staff. And I was like, great, I'm leaving a job that I oversee 30 people. Continue. And he was like, well, you'd only see about five here. And I'm like, great, that's even easier. And he was like, okay, so you'd have to know all of the the uh, medical codes. But we have a cheat sheet. I was like, I don't need the cheat sheet. Do you know how many monologues I've memorized in my entire life? I used to write the codes for the box office for the theaters that I've worked in. And I had to memorize all 400 because that's how we worked. And it was just like, I'm not trying to be cocky. I'm not trying to be rude. I'm just trying to explain to you how these things transfer and how easily they transfer. Just because it's a different topic doesn't mean it's not the same skill set. But trying to explain that to people with absolutely no art background to understand exactly what you were saying of how how many different things we have to do, how many hours we have to put in, how much dedication there is, like a lot of this stuff can be a breeze depending on the job. But it's it can be frustrating because not everyone understands that. And even through all of that explanation, all of that comparison to say, yeah, this transfers, this transfers, this transfers, I've done this, I've done that, I've done this a million times, no problem they still hired someone else. And when I asked why, they said, well, they have experience in the medical field. It's like, I'm not applying to be a dentist. I'm applying to manage a staff and make sure that the paperwork is filled out. But okay, let me know if it doesn't work out. Like, again, not trying to be cocky, not trying to be snarky or rude, but I don't know what else you want from me. You know, there must have been something in my resume that wanted you to talk to me. And like I said, a resume can only say so much. So when you're in an interview, you have to explain all of this and say like, okay, yeah, you want to talk coding? I've done this, 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 and this. No problem. And sometimes still, even then, it doesn't work. And that can be incredibly frustrating. What do you think it was about your resume that helped you even get the interview in the first place? Make sure that you put those buzzwords up, the things that they are specifically specifically looking for in the job description at the very top. And then that's the first thing you're going to talk about in the interview. And when they want to know more about you, then you can develop a little bit more on the stuff below it, which I know for some people that I've said that to, it's been frustrating because they're like, that's the easiest part of my job. I'm like, I know that, you know that, but they don't really care about the rest because this is what they're looking for. So trying to connect what you do currently to what they need in their job is the most important thing and making sure that that's at the top of the list. And they're willing to pay you what you're already making for the easiest part of your job. I know. As I'm like, I don't ever want to tell any of my non-theater employers what I was making because they'll try to cut me real short and I'm making more money than I ever have. Not a ton. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like rolling in it. 
but you know, I am making a decent amount more than I was for a lot less. I will say slightly off topic, but maybe I would have acted, you know, felt differently if I was in love with the theater job I had, but I noticed the more I was doing a job I didn't enjoy, the more I was taking things home with me. It was eating me up. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not like in love with my current job, but it's a job in a pandemic that pays me and I'm grateful to have it. So I'm going to work as hard as I can to get it done. But I understand that that's what it is and it's not in a field that I'm in love with and I'm not struggling. So like I don't take it home. 5.30 comes and I'm I'm done. And that is a mental health thing that is so important that I've discovered since I've left theater. Yeah, we don't do that well in theater. No. (laughs) No, not at all. And I think it was for me personally, I think it's because I had a theater degree. I knew what I wanted to do and just logistically, financially was not able to. And that was eating me up. And it took me a little bit to be okay with not auditioning for professional shows anymore. You know, I went back to community theater. I joined an acapella group that I had to pay like a fee for to be a part of. And that was a huge debate in within myself to do because I went, you know, I was like, okay, well, I, when I first graduated college, I was being paid to perform, but it wasn't sustainable enough. I was tired of not being able to afford the bus and to look for quarters on the ground on my walk home. So I was like, okay, need a job, need a job. Got one, hated it, and also sucked up all my time. So I wasn't able to do the parts anymore. So I had to go through this like mind meld of, well, I ha- I paid for a degree in this. I was getting paid to perform. I was getting paid to do costuming. And now I'm paying someone else to let me do this. And it messed with me for a while. I kind of went through a really down and out stage where I was like, this is kind of depressing. I hate this. But then I realized I was in such a supportive environment. I was getting to do what I loved again. And I was financially stable enough to pay my bills, feed myself and take the bus. Mind blowing. (laughs) But I, you know, it wasn't an easy switch for me. It was months of ups and downs and questioning everything I had done since high school, because that's when I started theater. I'm glad I am where I am now, you know, pandemic, I can't perform right now, which is driving me insane. But you know what I mean? Like I as soon as this pandemic's out of here, audition out the wazoo, because I can. It's interesting that you said that you were then paying to perform and how that was so weird for you. Because when you were working in the box office, you were paying them in your health. You were paying them in your time that they weren't paying adequately for. So you're still paying them, but you're actually enjoying this versus being at the box office where you were just a slave to the machine that was not being a supportive environment that you deserved. Okay about to cry because I never thought of that that way before. (laughs) Um, Wow. Yeah. I mean, we all grow. I'm in my thirties. I've come a long way from my twenties, you know, through all kinds of different situations, not even just my work, just personal life. And I love the person I am now. I'm so 
much more stable mentally and financially and just everywhere all around. But yeah, wow. I, Beth, I never thought about it that way before. <laughs> yeah, I, def- I definitely paid with like my mental health, my physical health. You know, I didn't have time to do the things that I needed to do to take care of me. It was all about just taking every part of me and throwing it into this job. Whereas now I feel like it's, yeah, okay. Currently I don't love my job, but I have the freedom to do other things that I love and I'm not exhausted at the end of the day. Like I can't tell you how many times I came home from work in my box office jobs or costuming jobs when I was doing that full time. And I just, I just went to bed. I was so wiped mentally, physically, emotionally, because those took an emotional, you know, turn on me too. I was, I was exhausted in every meet, like every possible meaning of that word. And now like, yeah, there are tough days. I just had a tough week with my job, but like, I'm good. I'm relaxing now. It's fine. I'm not crying. I'm not going to bed because I literally can't do anything else. And if COVID wasn't happening right now, I'd be going to a rehearsal, you know, and I would be loving it. So yeah, I'm sorry. I'm rambling about that, but that just blew my mind. (laughs) I'm sorry. I didn't give that to you six months ago or a year ago. But that speaks to kind of what I was saying before is we don't even realize that we're being forced to pay with our bodies and souls, essentially, in all of this extra time and work that we're expected to give without getting pay. And not just monetary pay, but also like value being being valued and a and a sense of safety in return. You you you're not getting that. And we don't even realize that that's not okay. Or health insurance, like how many nonprofits don't give people health insurance, and and this is a nonprofit problem. You know, I've done stuff with other nonprofits outside of theater. Uh, this is a nonprofit problem as much as it's a theater problem. So I will say that we are not totally the only group having this problem Uh, absolutely not yeah it's it's definitely a problem and it's also safe to say that not all theaters are a negative place to work you know like not every situation is what we're discussing and this just happens to be our experiences because i know a lot of people that are having the time of their lives they're being taken care of and stuff like that it's just unfortunately it's few and far between in this field Mm -hmm. um And I was not lucky enough to find one of those. And so for me, it was like, okay, and I'm sure you guys feel the same. It's time to go. You know, like, I'm just, this isn't worth it anymore to me. Like, like both of you are saying, my mental health is so much more important. It was ruining experiences with my family. It was ruining my relationships. It was ruining friendships. And it just, it wasn't worth it anymore. It's like, I had to weigh it out. And for some people it is, and that's cool for you, but if you're thinking about leaving because this is connecting to you, don't beat yourself up about it. It's just not worth it. it you know, you're going to find something. And even if it's not right away, you just have to keep tweaking it until it works for you. And what works for me is going to be different from you, different from everybody else. Yeah. So what were the pieces that you took with you and the the bits of solace that you took with you that helped you find passion and connection in another career 
in addition to it allowing you the time to do the theater things that you wanted to do, what was it in that job itself that you brought with you that you loved and that made you love that job? For me specifically, I love travel. Sadly, my 2020 resolution was to travel more and that, well, didn't happen. Um, <laughs> so sad, That's but not so my sad. fault. I, know. I had like five trips planned and none of them. No, one happened. I went to Spain, came home. And while I was in Spain, my boss at the travel agency was like, yeah, you can't come back to the office. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and then a, a week later, I was laid off. Anyway, to answer your question, uh, I just happened to fall into a job of a topic that I loved. And it was great because the, the company I was hired for was kind of changing things around. They were trying to update things. They were trying to make things easier, quicker, faster, better. And with the kind of experience I had working box offices and just all over different jobs all over the place, they're like, wow, we think we could kind of use your experience to benefit us. And I was like, yeah, okay. And then I kind of came in and redid their entire system with them. So personally for me, I love organizing. I love talking to people about things I'm passionate about, which was my job. So literally, you know, you're someone that wants to travel and you come to our company and you talk to an agent and you say, I want to go to Australia. I'm a foodie. I want to go to these places, but everything else you can just kind of like plan out. And our agent would say, okay. And you would kind of go back and forth until you love the trip. Then they pass it on to me. And then I would book everything because we are a luxury travel agency. It was, everything was detailed from the, you know, car that picked you up at the airport, took you to the tour, then took your baggage over to the hotel and then picked you up an hour later from your tour. Everything was detailed. So I, that was a part of my jobs in the past that I loved, which I think a lot of people do with theater. It's so detail oriented, everything matters. And I love that I was able to move that skill set over. And then again, just my love of travel I booked it with people online, but then I also got to call people overseas and like talk to people in Australia and just be like, yeah, so um, what are you up to? And they're like, yeah, I'm going to go have some lunch with koalas today. And I'm like, God, your life is so cool. <laughs> Let's move. I'm ready. Let's yeah, go. Right? I was like, oh, <laughs> um, so I, I, that, I don't know. I just feel like the things that I did like about my job, which was communicating with people organizing, being very detail-oriented, and just making people happy. That's part of what I love about theater is specifically for me in performing, but really any aspect, is the emotion that you can get out of people, whether it's a positive, a, not a negative, but you know what I mean, whether they're crying for joy or crying because they connect and it's, you know, it's bringing out some emotions that they haven't felt in a long time. Whatever it is, you feel something and it's a good experience in the long run. That's how I felt with travel. These people were like, yeah, um, I want to go here and chill with some koalas and giraffes. And I'm like, I got you. And I got to talk to these people about all these amazing experiences they had. And I got to give them that joy. So for me, it was like, yes, this is a totally different topic. It's a totally different job. But at the root of it, I'm doing the same thing. And so that was what made that job outside of theater work for me. It was like, okay, this isn't theater. However... I'm giving some people amazing experiences that they've never had before. They're going to get, I don't know about you, but when I travel, I get emotional. 
I, I get really excited. I'm also a foodie. So when everyone's like, yes, I want to go to all these different restaurants, but I have celiac disease. And I'm like, friend, I got you. If anybody in this company can help you, it is me. And you're going to have the best day ever. And they're like, oh, yeah. So I don't know if that really answers your question. But for me, it was like, okay, what? I feel like it's hard for me to completely hate a job. There's never not something that I enjoyed from it. You know, my box office job, I didn't like the work itself, but I loved my staff. I loved helping them. I loved talking to them. And I loved talking to the customers when they were happy. And so that kind of was able to transfer into my travel job as well. And I was like, okay, I can make this work. I can do this. This works for me. Box office to travel agent actually makes a lot of sense. Right? Because instead of booking a show, you're booking a week-long vacation. Yeah. But it's the same damn thing. Right. It's hospitality. Yeah. And I will say, I didn't get to talk to the customers as much in the travel job, but I got to talk to all the people across seas. Um, And because everybody was there because they loved to travel themselves – Whenever people would go on trips, they would always like come back and do these little like, it was so cheesy, but I loved it. They would do these like PowerPoint presentations of all their pictures and stuff. And we had people from all over the world that worked in our office. So like we had a bunch of different celebrations, like cultural celebrations and stuff, things that I would have never experienced anywhere else. But then I also had coworkers that worked remotely. I am still in touch with people that are in California, Michigan, Australia, like they're all over the world. And that is such a cool experience for me. And I feel like anybody that does touring for theater and stuff like that would probably connect to this concept because part of why you like touring is going to different places and experiencing different people and stuff like that. It all just, it all translates, it all transfers if you look at it outside the box a little bit. Did you find, you found this new job that you loved and a topic that you loved and all of it sort of came together really nicely. Did you find that you had like a before Christine and after Christine, did you feel like there was a bit of an identity shift there? Is there any point where you stopped considering yourself a performer or an artist full time, I guess. I mean, what, what happened with your identity through all of this? I don't know, to be honest with you. I kind of, I I honestly don't even know how to answer that question. That's a good question though. But I feel like because I hopped right back into auditioning and everything as soon as practically as soon as I got the new job and started I still felt like an artist like it didn't take away from me personally I felt a shift though career wise or you know like job functionality wise because in the arts I was definitely the youngest person in my group and in my last job specifically I was one of the few that Surprisingly enough, I actually had a background in theater. Um, a lot of our higher up people, you know, our finance team, our uh, education team, things like that, didn't actually have experience in theater. They all came from other jobs outside of theater. And it, I feel hypocritical by like calling them out on it, but they always looked down on me, I felt like, and constantly argued with me when I would bring up my theater experience and be like, well, I get where you're coming from with that, but that 
doesn't exactly work in a theater world. And I always felt like I had to be on the defense. I don't know if that was my age, my demeanor, my gender. I have no idea what it was, but that was just the situation I was in. I always felt like I had to really stand up for myself. I had to, you know, I was always on the defense. It was a very negative environment. So when I came to this new job, that kind of like carried with me at first, where every time anyone said anything to me, I was automatically defensive. I was automatically feeling like I had to explain literally every single thing that I was doing and why and assume that I was still going to be turned down. And that wasn't the case. And my manager actually had to pull me aside and be like, look, you're not there anymore. I need you to breathe and don't take everything so personally. And I'm like, I feel like I'm being personally attacked though, because that's what I'm used to. And they're like, no, that's not it at all. So after like a month or two of realizing that this is a different environment, this is a different experience and people want to do the same thing that I'm doing now. They want to go to work, they want to do their job, and then they want to leave the job at their desk, go home, live their life. They don't want to take it home with them. So I felt a personal shift in myself, you know, like I said, mentally, where I was like, okay, I can breathe here. I don't have to constantly justify myself. I don't have to constantly argue and debate with everything. And it wasn't from lack of travel experience. That wasn't the case at all. It was just like, we can come together as a team here. Whereas I didn't always feel that way in the theatrical world. And I don't know if it was ego or whatever it was. I probably will never know what it was, but I never considered myself less of an artist. I did, like I said, feel weird that I was now having to pay someone to let me perform rather than them paying me to perform. But I, I didn't feel less of an artist. I just felt like mentally there was just a shift where I was doing better. I could breathe and I, I was more positive and I wasn't, like I said, always on the defense. Girl, we could talk about baggage from one job to another. We could like, <laughs> I I cannot even tell you how often me and Amy are checking each other because we're carrying baggage from managers, supervisors, positions, and and our interactions, just us. And we've been friends since undergrad. I've known Amy since 2007. Like we check each other all the time. We could take this like this is a whole nother series. Let's yeah. <laughs> let's just plan it. Let's just know it's a thing. Is there anything that you would like to tell people who are looking for jobs in a new field, going through that process and questioning life right now? Just to kind of reiterate what I said earlier, you can always go back. That was like the mantra that I kept saying in my brain over and over and over again was that anything can change at any given time. You are not going to be in this job for the rest of your life. So if you take a chance and apply to a different job and get it and hate it, well, you're no worse off than you were before because you weren't enjoying yourself before. So just put yourself out there, give it a try, and you can always go back to theater if you realize it was not the choice for you. But also know It is not going to be easy, but it's not impossible. You have to advocate for yourself and you're going to have to do a lot of explaining. (laughs) You know, you're going to have to explain exactly to them not only what this job can do for you, which will help them be a little bit more okay with you leaving a full resume of theater and going to something totally different. Make sure that they understand why this is important to you. You know, you never want to badmouth a past job but 
it's okay to say this did not serve me well. And I'm looking for this kind of opportunity to help me move forward mentally and in my career path. But also this isn't just about me. You're trying to find someone that can help you. So here is how my theater experience can serve you well. And they're going to love that. And it's like I said, it's not going to work out every time I did that for the dentist situation. And unfortunately it didn't work out, but you know, I'm, I'm not a religious person, but I do believe everything happens for a reason. So I'm so happy that I did not get that dentist job because I found the travel job. And now I know that that is something I love. So just keep putting yourself out there. Give yourself breaks. Applying for jobs is exhausting. Absolutely exhausting. So, you know, if you go through a day and you apply to five jobs, give yourself a pat on the back. If you go another day and you don't apply for anything, don't kill yourself. You're fine. Just keep putting yourself out there. Keep understanding that what will be will be, and it'll work out for you in the long run. And you can always go back if you don't like it. I think one of the best things that helped me with that mantra was knowing that even though I was leaving the theater field professionally, I kept in contact with all of my theater friends. Beth is, is an example. A lot of my friends still do work in the theater field, and I knew if I was that unhappy and wanted to come back, I was still tied in. I was still able to talk to people about it. I was still able to say like, hey, are you guys having any you know openings anytime soon that you think would be a good fit for me? And I could start applying again. You're never going to be in a job for the rest of your life. Everything changes at any given moment as we all have learned from COVID. So just keep putting yourself out there. Keep advocating for yourself. Keep trying until you find something that fits for you. I, <laughs> I definitely wrote down it's okay to say this did not serve me yes and realizing that that is okay it will change everything you know and just there's a reason why you're leaving that company whether it's financially mental health scheduling you want to move you just aren't interested in it anymore. There's always a reason. And they know that because why else would you be in that interview? Right. So explaining to them what it is, you know, in a positive way, you know, I'm looking for a more positive experience. I'm looking for, for me personally, I knew in that last job, there was nowhere else I could go. I had gone as far up as that company was going to allow me. And that was made very apparent to me. So part of the things I said when I left was I want the opportunity to move up in my career do you have that kind of thing here? And thankfully, the job I ended up getting, they said yes. And, you know, if the Australia fires and COVID didn't happen, I would have been promoted, but things happen. But um, yeah, just you got to advocate for yourself and just don't be afraid to speak your mind, but do it in a professional, positive way. You know, just say, look, this didn't serve me. I was not happy there. And I think that if I found a job that had X, Y, and Z for me, it would be a lot more beneficial for me. And it would be more beneficial for the job that I'm working for. Thank you, Christine, for sharing your story. It's okay to say something is not serving you. That statement will come with us. I'm sure we'll keep popping up for the next year. Join us next time. We'll hear from another former arts professional and talk about the ways and the cultural traits in theater that push people out of the industry. And we'll talk about what different company types have to offer when you are driven to find a new company that fits your values. 
We will see you then. As always, thank you for listening. Don't forget to come join the conversation at outofthearts.com and on social media at Out of the Arts. If you like today's podcast, please make sure to subscribe, share, and tune in next time. Arts Career Evolutions podcast was created, written, and produced by Beth Partham and Amy Shake. Because we are super excited to flaunt our awesome transferable skills in any way we can. Speaking of, audio engineering by Beth Partham and music by Amy Shake. Because as long as we're still paying on our student loans, you better bet we're going to keep using our degrees in the way they were intended. Arts Career Evolutions podcast is copyrighted by Out of the Arts LLC 2021.